If it hadn't been for CMO Convo, marketing insights, we'd never know. Where did they come from? Where did they go? In the podcast world, CMO Convo. If you've got that tune of a classic 90s Euro dance track stuck in your head right now, never fear, we've got plenty of insights to replace that earworm with. We're joined by Jessica Zal, CMO of Percent, to talk sales and marketing alignment. But is alignment enough? Should we be talking about unity? Listen on to find out. You've probably seen the news about how short the average tenure is for CMOs. Make sure you don't just survive, but thrive with the Alliance's C-Suite Masterclass. Whether you're looking to climb the ladder or currently an experienced marketing leader, you'll find everything you need to navigate the modern C-Suite. Across four months, you'll learn from experienced executives from leading brands like Trustpilot, Slack, Samsung, and more on how to drive results, inspire teams, and secure your place at the table. Don't be another statistic about the tenure of CMOs. Instead, join the ranks of the world's greatest business leaders. Check the link in the show notes for more information. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good to be here. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. And thank you for joining us today for this very, very important topic. It's a very, very important topic that comes up a lot, but it's never less important whenever we talk about it, and that's aligning sales and marketing. Uh, it's one of those perennial topics on the community. It's one of those perennial topics, I think, amongst pretty much any CMO circles, whether it's B2B or B2C. But I think for today, we're going to be focusing on mainly B2B. Is that right, Jessica? Uh, we can focus on B2C as well. My background happens to be mainly in B2B, although I am in a company right now that does B2B and B2C. Awesome. Well, let, let's dig a bit more into your background, Jessica, for, yeah. before we get into the, the meat of this conversation. Um, yeah, tell us a bit about your professional background, your role at Percent, and why this topic was so important for you to talk about today. Sure, sure. So I've been around for a while. I have uh, a couple of decades of uh, experience in the industry, mainly in um, fintech, capital markets, financial services. Um, I'm currently the chief marketing officer of a company called Percent. Um, basically, just to tell you a little bit about what Percent is and our audience, um, we have created a modern private credit marketplace. So we are pretty much an alternative investment platform for something called private credit, um, which is a, a, a new nascent asset class for retail accredited investors. Uh, but we are bringing three different audiences together, investors who want to invest in private credit. So those are your B2C audience, right? Individual investors. Um, funds, family office, et cetera, which is your B2B market. Companies that run a raised debt capital to support their business, so that's B2B. And then something called underwriters that need to structure the private credit transaction, so that's B2B. So my current company, when you look at it across all audiences, we're probably about 25% B2B, but we're doing heavy, sorry, 25% B2C, but we're doing heavy C marketing right now, and about 75% B2B. Um, and I have been here for just about a couple of years, and I'm focused on um, a number of different things, uh, really building out the marketing function um, from a C and B to perspective, really, really building out growth and performance marketing. We are um, uh, in a B2C organization. Marketing is your sales function. So we are driving acquisition and conversion on the C side um, and then building out the, the brand and really establishing percent as a company. Um, in the private credit marketplace, so that when you think of private credit, you think of percent. Um, and yeah, I've, 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 like I said, I've been around for a while, um, leading teams, um, building teams, driving brands, driving acquisition. Um, obviously, you know, I started out um, as a marketing associate a long time ago, um, and really just learned the ropes of marketing and just continued to grow and grow and grow. I actually started out my career out of college in sales, and then 
had some transition in there where I wasn't even going to be in the financial services business. I was going to be in education and somehow landed back into financial services and found a home in marketing, um, which I really, really liked. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, I didn't know about your sales background as well. Do you think that's what's given you the perspective to be able to discuss this today? I think so. I think so. I, um, I think like a salesperson, um, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not a salesperson. I, you know, when I was working as a salesperson at Fidelity as a broker many years ago, um, I loved it in the beginning because it was more consultative. I got to spend time with clients. I got to talk to them. I got to educate them. I got to do more needs-based analysis to understand, you know, what their concerns were, what their pain points were and surface different product services for them to make their own decision. And the nature of that business changed where it became, you know, more heavy product sales, right? Where you had quotas to meet and you get, had to, in order to make your living, you had to get people into these products. And it just, I don't have that personality. I'm more of that soft sell educational approach. And that's what marketing is. Marketing is, you know, when you really think about marketing this, I hate saying this, but marketing is stealing people's time. So when you are stealing people's time, you need to give them value. You need to educate them. So that is my approach to marketing is education and consultation. I, I really like that. That's stealing people's time. That's a, that's a good way for people to think about it, like yeah. to make sure we are giving that value back when we're give doing that value. You don't just want to shove products down people's throat. Nobody wants that, right? You need to, if you're going to put something in front of somebody, it has to provide them value. You have to know their pain points. You have to know what their needs are and you have to give them something that they're going to take away and learn something from, especially from a B2B perspective. That kind of leads into what I feel is one of like the big disconnects between sort of sales and marketing, a lot of organizations, like a lot of sales departments and companies would like us just to be pushing product constantly, 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 that kind of thing, just to drive those leads towards them. Whereas marketers are looking for more of that value, that brand building, long-term stuff kind of thing. And I think that is one of the big disconnects. What are your thoughts on that, Jessica? So um, I agree, and this is where um, I know we'll get into this part of the conversation in terms of connecting marketing and, and sales, because sales obviously has a job to do, right? They've got to fill that quota of getting clients and maximizing you know, the, the wallet share from those clients and driving revenue for the company, because at the end of the day, that company needs to be successful, right? Um, the way that marketing does it, however, is a very soft sell approach where you are first taking the approach from creating the awareness, right? And the engagement from the audience and how they do that is by showcasing or talking about the pain points, the needs of the audience, of the client, and not necessarily saying you need to have this, this is, you know, this is the product, but actually talking about, hey, you know, XYZ is going on here, you know, here is what the industry is saying about it, right? And they're seeing your name attached to that. They're not seeing that you're promoting a product. They're seeing that A, you're experts in this space. You can talk about it. You understand it. You understand their pain points and you're driving them down a funnel when you are engaging with them, right? It's that first, that awareness, that thought leadership, creating a fire under them that, hey, I need to take notice and I need to associate that pain with this in this organization, right? That may be able to help me solve that. And as you drive them down, then you're showing other types of valuable information like, hey, you know, your peers at XYZ actually did ABC to solve these pain points. And as they get more interested, that's when you start to show the product. So it's not shoving product right away. It's giving them value and showing them what they might be able to do and what they can learn and take away. It's up to them to self-select and make the decision 
you know, do I actually want to go further in this process? Do I want to dig deeper and see what my peers are doing and what another product can do for me? So it's really putting the choice in their hands and giving them that education to make that decision. Very much like when you think about it from a B2C perspective, right? Because I was talking about B2B there, but from a B2B perspective, when you are showcasing investment opportunities, right? You should never, I mean, that's obviously against the law is telling somebody what they can do, right? Like what they should do, unless you are paying a financial advisor um, and guaranteeing things. You want to give people all of the information possible or as much information possible to make their best informed investment decision. Definitely, definitely. But I feel like anyone who has a decent amount of sales or marketing experience is aware of these different routes and these different approaches that marketing and sales take and, and should recognize that both are equally valuable. Yet there still seems to be this disconnect. And we talk about sales and marketing alignment a lot. And it feels like we've been talking about it almost forever in marketing circles. Why is there still barriers? Why is it still a struggle to really get sales and marketing working together properly? That's an excellent question. Um, and I feel like we're starting to see trends of change and these groups starting to work closer together. Historically, and, I, and I'm speaking, my background is specifically in you know the financial world, right? Um, from the B2C perspective, what I'm doing now, but mostly from the B2B perspective. Um, and it's an it's an antiquated market to a degree, right? Because you know, you are dealing with especially in, in the banks from a capital markets perspective, not the B2C side of the banks where they're marketing, checking accounts, et cetera, but the, the, the capital market side. Um, you are dealing with groups that marketing has often been um, like it was back in the 80s and 90s, right? And not saying that I was working back then because it wasn't. <laughs> but marketing back then was let's do a press release. Let's make something look pretty. You know, um, let's put on an event. Yes, that is marketing, but marketing is much more than that now. Marketing is sales. Marketing is what um, lays the groundwork for a salesperson to actually have that conversation about the business. If there is no marketing, there, that conversation is incredibly difficult for the salesperson and that customer because that customer is like, I have no idea who you are right? Where marketing is laying that groundwork, creating the education, creating the awareness, creating the engagement, and also making it a lot easier for the customer to opt into when he or she wants to talk to a salesperson. You're seeing a lot more now than you know, decades ago, even 10 years ago, where you had a lot more salespeople that were taking people from various parts of the sales life cycle, right? Um, if marketing initially brought in the client, the lead from an event, right? Then it immediately went over to a lead generation specialist and then to, you know, a sales, a sales account manager, right? And then to a sales engineer, right? That was an expert in the product. People don't want to talk to people anymore. I mean, they do, but we're in such a fast paced world. We're working nonstop. We've got, you know, our own OKRs, KPIs, goals, objectives to meet, right? People want to self-select into opportunities now, right? They want to do their due diligence. They don't necessarily want to talk to somebody, especially when it is like a SaaS technology, right? 
it's not right at acquisition that they need they, they need and want to talk to somebody. It used to be that way, but now there are so much more robust marketing and customer sales lifecycle programs that are nurturing and educating people so that you don't need as many salespeople in that process. You need the expert, right? That's the person that you need. You need the expert that is kind of that, you know, towards the last stage. And that's also helping companies now from a headcount and hiring perspective, right? Because those salespeople are very expensive. And a lot of the stuff you can automate, um, you know, from a workflow perspective when you are doing these marketing campaigns. So it's really, really changed. Um, and I think I've digressed from your initial question <laughs> um, a little bit in terms of, um, I think it was about how, uh, how these teams can start working together now? Was that right? Well, it was why, why can't they work together? Why yet? can't they work together? Why, why haven't we got there yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, a lot of it has been just the historical nature of it, right? And how companies have built cultures. And th this, is, this is solely from my experience, <laughs> how companies have built cultures around this. I'm actually dealing with this right now from an organizational standpoint, because our company is both half technology, but more capital markets technology and half capital markets experts from the banks who are used to marketing being, let's do an event, let's do a press release, let's make something look pretty, let's do a PowerPoint. They are not used to working with marketers that are driven by data and analytics and science in terms of this is how we're going to become viral. This is how we're going to run our ad campaigns. These are the number of leads that we need to generate. This is the cost per lead. This is the lifetime value we need to generate and really driven by revenue and having um, insight and accountability to the revenue process, the revenue stream at a company. Um, it's, they need education. That has been what is lacking. People are, things are changing though, and they're slowly becoming more and more education as it becomes a continuously becomes a more digitalized world. I feel like we've been saying that for the last 15 years though, but it's just <laughs> getting more and more digitized because you've got all of these social media platforms. You're on your phone, you're on Telegram, you're on Slack. Everybody is just, you know, that information is right there for you. So marketing has a bigger remit and a bigger seat at the table than they used to. So it's all about education. And that is what I have really, really been focused on in my current organization is educating our organization about what marketing truly is and how it helps at every single point in that sales life, life cycle and where you need the experts from a sales perspective. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think what you, what you mentioned about the whole trend towards people wanting to be able to opt in and almost self-service. I think that's going to get more and more important as the years go by. Um, if you look at more millennials moving into decision-making roles and B2B um, as B2B buyers, uh, particularly Gen Z moving in, like they're going to want to buy B2B products the same way they buy stuff in their personal lives. And that's doing it all online, doing it all seamlessly. And, and that's where marketing is going to be really important to actually make them know where they can actually go and buy these products. It's not necessarily about connecting them with a salesperson anymore. Exactly. It's about where can they actually get an access to the products that you're providing. And that's where older generations in leadership need to realize and understand that and leverage the insights of their, you know, Gen Z 
coming in, the Gen Z population coming into the workforce, right? Um, millennials are now at the point where they are in middle management and sometimes senior leadership positions, often senior leadership positions, right? And so that's where that shift is happening. Um, and, the, you know, again, from my perspective, coming from the capital market side of banking and asset management and B2B SaaS, um, you know, it, that is, has been historically a market, again, where, you know, you want to talk to a sales, they think you want to talk to a salesperson. And like you said, that's changing. Definitely, definitely. So you mentioned something earlier on, which was marketing is sales. So are we at the point where we should just stop thinking about sales and marketing as being separate functions? Should they just be one team together? Like how how is this going to work in the future with this idea of the wars between sales and marketing breaking down? Excellent question. Um, I'm going to take this from a B2B fintech perspective in capital markets right now. And then I'm going to address it from the other side. Um, they're all one, if you really, really look at it, um, it's a horizontal line from customer lifecycle perspective, mm -hmm. right? And marketing, and actually it's not a horizontal line. Let me take that back. It's a circle, right? It is acquisition to um, retention, creating loyalty and renewal, cross-sell, upsell, et cetera, right? Um, marketing is involved at every step of that. However, and it is all marketing if you think about it. So when you say marketing, every single point of that customer life cycle is marketing. It's who owns that process. And that doesn't mean marketing has to own every part of that process because you cannot be experts in everything. You need your salespeople, you need your customer success people. Um, in a capital markets, FinTech, B2B SaaS world where I'm coming from, it doesn't work for marketing and sales to be one and the same. It works for them to be workflow partners and fully understanding of what each one does and where handoffs are. Because in my world, it takes a certain subject matter expertise to be dealing with clients when you are talking about, let's say, um, trading platforms, when you are talking about... Um, uh, you know, portfolio optimization and using workflow technology and APIs, data, et cetera, to make a, uh, you know, a, a, an operational person at the corporate investment bank at, you know, JP Morgan, more efficient and less prone to error and driving more revenue from the company, right? Your marketer, Every single one of those people are marketers because they're always providing value at selling the company, helping that customer, right? But your marketer can't necessarily be a sales engineer and also understand all of the intricacies of the technology and the platform and really put themselves in the position of the client they're talking to. Oftentimes in my world, our salespeople have done those jobs so that they really, really understand those pain points. Now, that's not to say while they may not be part of the same team, that's not to say that they should not be working hand in hand, right? There should be clear understanding, education, knowledge of what each person does at that workflow. It is basically a handoff as marketing is driving acquisition, right? There are oftentimes sales driving acquisition in certain things as well, where they're networking with their clients' peers, right? And they're getting referrals and they're taking it from there. But marketing does drive a big portion of that funnel, right? And they're acquiring, they are nurturing and converting because like we talked about, more and more people are wanting to self-select and opt in to 
certain processes, right? The, you know, the marketing funnel, the sales funnel before they actually speak to somebody. So sales really needs to understand that, right? Of all of the processes that marketing needs to go through in order to really prime that person to get to the last step, because they do need to talk to a salesperson because in my world, there are, it's not just one client, one prospect, right? There are a number of prospects around a company because there is the user, there is the buyer, there is the decision maker and the influencer, right? So you're looking at all of them and they do need to speak to a salesperson that is an expert in that. And then eventually once they are a client, hand it off to their relationship manager and their customer success team to be able to implement the technology throughout the organization, train people, then increase wallet share. But marketing is helping them at every point in time. If you think about it from a sales perspective, right? You've got the initial acquisition, but then in this, from a sales perspective, we may need, if it's a big client, right? We may need to do specific account-based marketing efforts, right? To really explain um, the full uh, offering from a company perspective of what you can offer to that company across their various divisions, right? There may be nurture things um, that need to happen. There might be collateral that that you know the salesperson needs, presentations, video demos, et cetera, that they need to walk them through. Marketing is helping to create that. And then from a customer success perspective, there are you know customer advisory boards. There are training materials, there are customer events, right? There is constant customer communication. Um, there's campaigns around, uh, uh, you know, driving usage, cross-sell and upsell. So marketing is helping and supporting at each stage. While they may not be leading that process, they're constantly in every part of it. Definitely. I think so it sounds to me like the, the industries where it's still ne really necessary to have this divide between a sales personnel and the marketing personnel are going to be those very regulatory heavy ones, those super technical ones. So uh, finance, as you said, but I imagine healthcare would be a similar one as yep. well. Um, pharmaceuticals, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, I would think also, um, you know, various, like you're looking at big, you know, corporations, right. Mm -hmm. um, and not even corporations, but people like probably in not, not uh, like technology communications, um, maybe transportation, um, probably around government. On the B2C side, it's very, very different. And again, my background has been B2B, right? This is my first true foray into B2C, which has been very, very exciting because I've learned so much about the C side and I've been able to adapt B2B tactics for the B2C side when it's something very new because that requires a lot of nurture to that C side and B2C tactics for the B2B side that we're going to find start working better because of the shift in generational um, generational uh, characteristics and how people consume information. On the C side, it's probably a lot different, you know, and I would assume it will continue to be a lot different because marketing is your sales function, right? Mm -hmm. We probably don't have a lot of salespeople, if any, because it is all, um, you know, it is all automatically digital. It's automatically, sell, you know, you're self-selecting, you're opting into that. You don't really need to speak to somebody. Well, I guess there are some industries, like the automotive industry, for example, there's still a lot of salespeople involved yeah. in that. But even then, they're moving away from that. You can buy a car exactly. on an app these days, which is pretty exactly. crazy. Exactly. Yes, that's 100% right. It's it's crazy the things that you can now buy 
without engaging a salesperson. And yeah. I think it's going to continue to do that. And I'm not saying that that negates the sales function in any way, shape or form, right? There are certainly industries that need that sales function, but it's changing on, it's changing. Definitely, yeah. Um, but in the B2C world as well, I suppose as well, when it comes to salespeople, they tend to be more of like a partnership relationship. Like you tend to be talking to like the staff in a store where your product's being sold or something like that, or um, you've licensed out your brand as a flagship store or a, um, yeah, as a licensee or something like that. So it's maybe even more of a disconnect between the set of the marketing and the sales side there. So I suppose it makes it even more important to be really, really clear with that educational side of things when it comes to the product in terms of how the product functions, how it benefits the users and stuff like that. You've got to be really, really good at feeding all that information to people that you might not be in the same, well, you're not in the same office with necessarily anymore because more people are working remote, but you're not even likely to have like a Zoom, regular Zoom call with these people because they are not technically working in the same business as you, but you still got to be able to make sure you're providing them with the materials necessary to make that sale. Right, right, right. And you have to make sure that if they are not, you know, if they're, while they're still engaging with that customer, there are various digital marketing tactics like retargeting, right? They're constantly reinforcing your brand. So you need to make sure if that salesperson, you know that that salesperson needs to meet their numbers, right? And they've got to drive revenue for the company, right? Or serve the client in any way, shape or form. You've got to make sure that there's still a consistent brand awareness, saturation of the market from your brand perspective. So that client is constantly thinking about your brand, which makes that eventual conversation or current conversation with a salesperson person um applicable and it you know it can you, they, they're not forgetting about who you are who the brand is it's constantly on their mind so that's one thing actually that that we're doing from a company perspective on the both the b2c and the b2b side um is continually reinforcing that brand through multi-channel efforts so that you're always thinking about that brand. It's not, you know, it's it's done in a way that is timely so that you're not, you know, saturated, right? Because I think I may have just said that before. Um, you're not saturated, meaning it's it's too much. You're spamming somebody. It's done in a way that is subtle, right? You think about um trying to give an example. Um, so I just looked at something on the Bloomingdale's website the other day, right? And um, while I love Bloomingdale's and I do get emails from them constantly um, about other things, I've noticed, right, that, you know, I'm looking at a New York Times article, right? And up, there comes that ad with that dress that I was looking at from Bloomingdale's three days later, right? And up, I just got an email, hey, you browsed this. Well, guess what? It's now at a discount, right? So mm -hmm. it's subtle and it's over time. It's not hitting me the moment that I get off the app or you know the 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 the, the website, right? Um, it's done in a subtle way so that they're constantly reminding me, and I'm seeing it pop up on all of the other channels and things that I'm looking at online. And when you're doing that kind of activity at scale, you can use sort of data-driven approaches with that. But if you're working at maybe more like an accounts level basis where you're going after big accounts, you may, maybe don't, won't have that level of data to know what kind of, what counts as subtle, what counts as that kind of like soft-handed approach, which is when that feedback from the sales people is so important to really get that right. It's not just a, it's not just marketing supporting sales. We need feedback and support from sales to do good marketing. 100%. That's why, like you said, it's a true partnership where all sides understand where they play. 
um, and working together because at the end of the day, we all have the same, like that company all has the same goal. It is to create satisfaction with the clients, keep them coming back, land those deals. And then it, once you land to expand within those organizations and you need those salespeople who are dealing one-to-one -one and firsthand with that customer to be letting marketing know that feedback and how things are going and what they may also need in support of that, you know, of taking that client further. Definitely. Um, so let's, let's dig into some kind of some practicalities around this. Cause we've talked a lot about theory here. We've talked a lot about like what marketing needs to be doing, what sales needs to be doing. Let's talk about how they need to be doing it. Like what kind of tools they need in place? What kind of processes do they need in place? Even what kind of personnel are important for kind of managing these kinds of relationships, like RevOps, maybe project managers, that kind of thing. Let's let's dig into all that. Yeah, RevOps is huge. Um, I mean, at least just to start from the very basics, I mean, you need a decent CRM, right? So you need something. It's actually good to have either one whole or things that feed into each other and that are interconnected so that your marketing automation platform feeds into your customer relation CRM customer relationship management software like a Salesforce or a HubSpot. Um, I can't remember what the Microsoft one is. Uh, Dynamics maybe something. That rings yeah, that rings it's, it's pretty old. Um, I like to think of Salesforce as um, you know the 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 uh, the golden child yeah. feeding to Salesforce, and then whatever your customer success, customer support hub is, right? So that when you are looking at a prospect or a client, you can see absolutely every touch point, right? You also want externally data sources to be feeding into that, to be able to inform you as much as possible about who this prospect and who this client is. So you need those basics, the, 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 the fundamentals first of various systems for your let's just say your three side, there are three stages of customer life cycle, right? To be implemented. Obviously you need clean data first. We all know that garbage in is garbage out. So you need to have cleanliness. Um, so I think having, like I said, having the basic um, technology stack of that is very important from a personnel perspective, um, RevOps and data scientists, right? You need, your roles now need to be, especially from a marketing perspective, marketing has become much more data-driven over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years. I know for me, um, when I am looking for staff, um, especially in the growth performance marketing perspective, I need somebody who is fully data-driven and honestly is rev RevOps driven as well, right? That is going to be able to um, analyze the effectiveness and the efficiency of absolutely every tactic that we're doing from a growth um, and performance perspective. I wanna understand what the cost per lead is, what the cost per acquisition is, what the overall customer acquisition cost is across channels. Um, I'm going to need somebody who can do predictive analytics um, that is looking at what types of data sources we should be um, purchasing and implementing into our tech stack that are going to help me um, model our client's behavior to identify uh, potential other prospects, right? So I need somebody that really, really thinks like that. Um, one of the new roles that has been coming up is more of a, you know, marketing engineer and marketing, um, you know, data scientist, right? That is looking at both the data as well as, um, you know, the engineering side, which is really looking at the overall technology that will also allow you to um, personalize tactical experiences. Um, 
So that's really, I think, what companies need to start looking for. And I think that the biggest lesson there is that marketing is not just an art, it's data and science. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think, yeah, it's going to get more and more data and science as, as time goes on. We're, we're sitting here in 2023 and AI is here. It's here to stay in marketing. Like what kind of impact is AI going to have on these kinds of processes? Will it make things easier in the long run? Like what, what is the role of AI in synergizing sales and marketing? Yeah. I mean, AI is huge. I mean, if you think about it from, um, if you think about it from a predictive analytics perspective, right? Having as much information about your prospect possible to figure out, you know, A, are they the right person for you? And B, you know, what are their, what are really, what are their pain points? We can generalize people's pain points, right? Based off of what we think about them, but what we know about them is different. And this is actually, this is actually a scary thing, right? Because we know so much more about people now because of the internet and all of this, you know, AI technology, we know so much more about people. It's scary. I mean, mm -hmm. look at the, you know, the stuff coming out from um, uh, chat GBT or the ability to, um, you know, take people's voices and make them say anything because you found a recording, right? Or know what people are um, uh, purchasing, right? Or the, I, this is, this is actually, <laughs> These are these are things that are more on a B2C side, but I remember one time I was saying, and my phone was on, I was like, oh God, I need to get new sheets. And then all of a sudden, when I was on Instagram, Bed Bath & Beyond came up. Mm. And, um, I can't remember the brand of sheets I used to have. Um, wait, they began with, it can't be, Wamsada, Wamsada Sheets, an ad for Wamsada Sheets came up. And then I got an email and it's crazy. Again, that is technology and that is AI really knowing everything about me and knowing my moves from what I'm looking at to who I'm emailing to what I'm interested in on social, et cetera. All of that is what companies are so hungry for to be able to market their products to you as a consumer. Um, and it's just going to continue to grow. Um, so having um, that workflow technology and that data about your prospects because you want to get it as personalized as possible, right? When marketing like 20 years ago, you were kind of at a 50, you know, 5,000 5, foot level, let's just say, mm -hmm. and assuming, right? And generalizing. You don't generalize anymore. You are incredibly personal and you really know everything about your customer, Um and we're finding that more even on the 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 B2B um, fintech and capital market side, right? There's a lot of information that we can get out there about people's businesses, about people's roles, about just even their personality outside of work so that we know how, when to hit them um, and what their interests are. Definitely. But I think it's worth mentioning as well that AI can tell us all these things, but it doesn't do all these things for us. It'll provide all this information. But you still need that human marketer, that human salesperson oh, in order 100%. to action that kind of stuff. 100% because we all know about ChatGPT, right? And ChatGPT can create something on the fly, but is it accurate? That's the thing, 
you know, it's not always accurate. So you need that human person to be running that. Like it's, it's supple- it, basically what technology I feel is allowing people to do is move faster and work more efficiently. It is not replacing people's jobs. You still need that human element. And especially like we said, in the capital market side, B2B FinTech side, you still need that salesperson, right? Because at some point they wanna talk to an expert. You just don't need 10 different salespeople for 10 different steps of the process, right? Let marketing technology and the humans running that automate that and optimize it. But you still need people to actually think of the strategy think of the content, think of the tactics, think of the execution um, in order to have a robust marketing plan. Technology is not going to do it. It is just going to allow for efficiency. Definitely, definitely. And and you'll, you'll certainly still need those very, very clear lines of communication between sales and marketing personnel. You're still going to have to be the marketers are still going to have to explain their findings and the data and stuff in a way that the salesperson is going to be able to act on. Like there's, yeah. I, yep it's going to improve things, but it's not a balm for the issues that are inherent in sales and marketing alignment that requires a cultural organization, organizational strategic shift really to get that sorted out. Yes. And that starts at the top, both from your executive team and often the CEO, the founder, um, or the president, um, setting, you know, making that a clear message, having marketing, having a seat at the table, having marketing fully involved in the, um, in RevOps, right? In the revenue stream, oftentimes the CRO and your CMO are hand in hand and the CMO is feeding the top of the funnel into that, right? And knows at every stage of the funnel, what is happening and where the revenue needs are, where the gaps are, what needs to be filled. Um, Also, like you said, the education and communication. Um, one thing that I have found very, very successful um, in bringing marketing to uh, the forefront at my current company um, is, like you said, having that constant communication. We now have um, an all hands marketing update once a month, where basically, and we just did it yesterday, and we have some we have some new people that are joining. So what I did was I spent the first fifteen minutes actually going through what marketing is, right, and talking about exactly what we're talking about right now that marketing is a data and a science. And here is what we do. Here are our goals so that you actually understand as an external marketing person at my company, what marketing is trying to do. You know, we are trying to drive X amount in revenue. Here's how we're doing it. Here's how we actually drive through the funnel from a marketing, from a marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead to, you know, what are the conversion rates? What are, you know, what is the revenue that's coming from that? Um, How much are we spending? What is that customer acquisition cost? What does that mean in terms of lifetime value? And then actually, once we explain the basics of that, so that everybody understands that going through, okay, this is what we did in July. These were the goals that were met. This was the revenue. And this is how we actually did it. And looking at it from, from the funnel, right? These tactics that cost this much created these number of clients, right? Or these number of prospects that actually converted. Here was the conversion. Here's what the top cost. And here's what the bottom cost at the end of the day. And then here's what's coming in July. Because from a marketing perspective, I need the help of the company when you are building a brand to be able to amplify that brand in the market. So it is important for them to know at every stage what we are doing, right? What tactics are happening, what content is going out, what social is going out, where I can use their help. Um, And we've 
not only done that, we've done a weekly newsletter, we have a calendar, we um, are, it, it is a constant stream of communication. It's funny because I've started to feel like it's over communication, but you also realize that people have so many different types of communication, the, the way that they consume information um, and, you know, tools to, 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 get that communication out that you do have to saturate because somebody may pay attention to one thing and not another. Right. And we often get, you know, the feedback that, you know what, I didn't know you were doing this. Well, actually we talked about this in the monthly meeting. It's in the newsletter, it's on the calendar and it's in Slack. So making sure that it is kind of over-communicated so that people know until they're at the point that, Oh, okay. I see how important strategic marketing is now that is that's on my forefront, you know, one form of communication is all we need. Well, it, it sounds to me just like your standard content marketing um, strategy, just doing it internally. And that sounds like something that we all need to be doing more of. Yes, exactly. It's, you have to think about, you've got your external audience. You're not only selling your product or your strategy externally, you're also selling it internally. So we're doing, taking the same approach, selling our product externally to selling marketing internally. Definitely, definitely. So Jessica, we've covered so much today and it's all been awesome. Let's see if we can tie things together with maybe some golden rules that you have when it comes to aligning sales and marketing. Like what should CMOs, what should marketing leaders, what should CROs really have at the top of mind when it comes to really getting things aligned? Oh, I think um, for a CMO perspective, um, actually, let's start with the CRO perspective. Um, I think your CRO and your other executive leaders need to be open. Um, they need to be willing to learn and educate themselves because at the end of the day, we all know the market, market is continuing to change how people consume information, how people buy. So you need to be open to understanding different um, types of selling and marketing strategies. Um, you need to trust, right? Building trust, um, which is something that I've I've really been working on with new organization over the past, you know, close to two years, building trust, because again, we're dealing with people that have not had this interaction with marketing before. They've come from different backgrounds where marketing has, you know, may not have been as involved. So it's figuring out ways to build trust within the organization. That's more from a CMO perspective, but being, you know, working towards that trust from a CRO perspective. The sharing of information um, is big, um, making sure that all parties, there's no walls, right? And that all parties have access to um, client information, really. Um, you know, I've been in organizations where marketing and product did not have, and this is more in the corporate investment banks, they did not have insight into um, client revenue, right? Um, they really kept things separate. You can't keep things separate because, as I mentioned, it's one big circle, right? And everybody is all part of that customer life cycle and marketing wraps around that circle, right? And it's touching people at every at every point in time. Um, from a CMO perspective, it's pretty much the same thing, you know, education. You have to make education a part of your job. Um, it's not just an, ex like we said, it's not just an external sales process, it's an internal sales process. You have to also make sure both across the board that, there is accountability, right? Having accountability 
helps build that trust and helps showcase that expertise of marketing, right? And it does actually allow for the sharing of, inform sharing of information and education. So as I mentioned, um, you know, my team here has 27 <laughs> OKRs, right? Um, objectives and goals that they have to reach. We have six company um, key performance indicators, um, and we go through those on a weekly basis, um, showcasing that accountability for all departments in an organization um, on a weekly or monthly basis um, allows for transparency and it allows for understanding and education of each group. Um, and that includes marketing. Awesome. Jessica, thank you very much for that. This has been really, really great conversation. It's a topic we have covered before, but it's a topic that's always worth covering because it's, as we said at the top of the episode, we still haven't found the ultimate solution yet, but I hope we've moved things in the right direction with this conversation. So thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. We're getting there. My pleasure. And Jessica, I'd be remiss without mentioning that you are going to be appearing at our CMO Summit in San Francisco on September 21st. Are you excited? I'm very, very excited. Uh, I'm very excited to attend and see my peers um, and speak. I'm on a panel on women in leadership. So really excited to um talk about my experience as um, being a, you know, a female leader, especially in, um, you know, the B2B fintech space um, and how to um, navigate this world in a changing landscape, um, especially for um, both existing female leaders and new generations coming in. Excellent. Well, I, I very look forward to uh, look forward to catching that talk. And I hope people who can make it on the September 21st are looking forward to it as well. But for now, thank you very much, Jessica, for joining us. And thank you very much to our audience. We'll be back soon with some more CMO Combos. Thank you. Like what you heard from this CMO Combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was. <laughs>